You are listening to the Hingework Podcast, a conversation about creativity, joy, and authenticity from the overflow of true community. Kick us off. Are we live? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the uh, Hingework Podcast. I'm Gabe. I'm Kent. Really tough to follow that up, Kent. Thank I'm you. Mark. And today we have our special guest and good friend, Eric. What's up? Eric who? Eric Albright. That's me. <laughs> good. <laughs> Just to be clear. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, Eric, we were excited to have you on. I was excited when Kent um, reached out and was like, hey, Eric's going to do the podcast because I know part of your story. Um, and obviously, we were talking, I met you when you were 12. So, I don't know too much of your story from then until now. <laughs> but specifically, um, your journey as an entrepreneur and a dreamer and having all kinds of ideas in the last five years or so. And then, you know, finally getting to the point where it's like, oh, you know what, I'm going to make a jump and I'm going to make a transition out of this place where my employment and everything is provided by and paid for by someone else mm-hmm. to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. So maybe, um, kick us off and walk us through kind of some of the backstory of Swift cup. Yeah. Well, I guess to like go way back, um, I've been in coffee for about 10 years now. So in 2000, I guess it would have been 2008, my senior year of of high school or 2007. Yeah, I had gotten a job at Prince Street Cafe and uh, that's kind of when my journey in coffee began. Never in my life would I have guessed that I'd still be in coffee right now. Um, so you were just taking a job. Yeah. I mean, just a high school job that was fun. And my sister actually got me the job there and there were some other people I knew ended up meeting my wife there, which is great. Um, but yeah, and I worked there all throughout college. I had gone to Millersville university Mm -hmm. and planned to be a tech ed teacher. Um, so I had done four years there and did my student teaching and everything and was kind of planning on becoming a teacher though there were definitely moments that in school that I was like man I always wanted a job that I wouldn't have to bring work home with me and then like probably like sophomore year I was like why am I being a teacher (laughs) (laughs) but also like when I had made that decision it was like well I love working with my hands and I like working with kids and this is a way that I can do both and you know like any senior in high school they're like asking you the question, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And I'll pick Which, what that. What a terrible way to phrase you know? that question. Right. Too. Like, what do you want to do for the rest of your <laughs> life? Right. Ever? Like, yeah, nobody even operates like that, really. I mean, people kind of shift in and out and do different stuff. Right. Anyway. So that had gotten me on that track. I had loved every minute of it. I mean, I had learned so many different things. I went into it thinking it was like, woodworking, metalworking, small engines, which it was, but it found out it was also anything revolving around technology, which Mm -hmm. is everything. (laughs) So I got a little bit of robotics, a little bit of like architectural design, a little bit of graphic design, a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. One of those things you come out of and you're like, huh, I didn't master anything, but I know a little bit about everything. (laughs) Um, So besides that, I had gone anticipating that I was going to become a tech ed teacher and had applied at two jobs um, that fall of 2012, I guess it would have been, and um, didn't land anything. Those jobs are pretty few and far like between because they're categorized as like art and arts. So mm-hmm. when funding gets cut, those get cut, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So there weren't many opportunities in that realm to begin with. And I had interviewed twice, and Crystal, my boss at Prince Street, was kind of like, hey, since you're not a teacher right now, I'm considering moving to the West Coast to pursue just a job opportunity, get outside of the business that she's run for, at that time would have been six years, um, I think, or seven. And she was like, would you want to run the shop? And I was like, as a 22-year-old, I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um and had loved and had loved my job. I think it wasn't until that point that I realized, huh, I could actually 
have a career in coffee, I could actually pursue this further and stay in this. And ironically enough, I probably would have been making the same amount of money as I would as like a first year teacher. Mm -hmm. And it was just this moment that I was like, huh, okay, sure. This isn't where I thought I was headed. But it was this point at which I was like comfortable it was in something I already loved. I mean, I loved customer service. I loved managing a team. And I loved coffee. And I think I just never assumed that it could go that that way. So I felt incredibly honored by Crystal, um, who trusted her cafe with me. And there was other yeah. people there. You know, it wasn't like I was yeah. handling everything, like the books and all that stuff, just mainly front of house, general manager stuff. And... Uh, you know, she moved out, out of the state and was like, not like, good luck, see ya, but like, you got this. Like, mm. I'll, you know, I'll help in any way I can and yeah. we'll, we'll make it happen. And so I think that kind of started me into this track of like feeling what it's like to have the weight of a business in some regards. It was on many shoulders, but it, I was one of the shoulders that it was on. And, uh, and I liked it. I loved that, like, one, I had been there at that point for, um, I guess, five years or so. And I was one of, I wasn't quite an OG, but I was like one of the earlier yeah. hires and had been there like the longest. And so I had this like respect from other employees. And, and I just got to learn so much in that that I'm like extremely grateful for. That was like hiring people, firing people. <laughs> managing people's (laughs) schedules like inventory all this stuff that like I found myself really really enjoying um and at that point I had kind of just been like there was definitely this moment where I was like man if I don't teach were these like four years a waste of my life you know Mm. and uh and I came to the conclusion that it like it wasn't like I feel like it was definitely this thing I had wrestled with with God that was like, you know, what, like, what is it that uh, I, I actually got from college and like, was just this moment where I realized that I had grown so much from those four years of college that like, even if it was just so that I could grow in those areas spiritually emotionally like it was like it was worth the four years like I went to a private school my whole life and then went to a public college and it was really a place for me to like just make you know find myself in many regards and I had you know was living on campus and was on my own and it was just this time of like growing and like finding other like men and friends to like just grow with and I came out of those four years like I think a way more mature person than I would have if I never had that and so there's countless times where I can look back and I'm like huh I learned that in college you know (laughs) and it has nothing to do with being a teacher even though there's a teaching aspect to running a business and training employees and things like that too so about a year later Crystal was coming back from Washington and was partnering with Kyle Sollenberger, who is now her business partner, yeah. as well as collaborating with uh, David Stallings, who's like the head of Passenger Coffee and stuff like that. And so she was coming back about a year and about a year and a half after I had started managing the cafe and Passenger Coffee was in the works. Yeah, I uh, She kind of presented the opportunity to me that was like, you know, hey, we have this opportunity do you want to, you know, come on board with Passenger and help get that off the ground? Yeah. And so at Prince Street, though, I was also handling the maintenance things. Yeah. And so Kevin Weaver um, had taught me a lot as well, who was Crystal's brother-in-law. Um, and he had kind of moved on from the business and had left me with, like, a lot of the maintenance things. And so there even, like you know tech ed stuff came into play and then yeah as I moved over to passenger um a lot of roasteries have you know you're dealing with a lot of different accounts different cafes Mm -hmm. that are using your coffee and often a service 
that is provided is like espresso machine yeah. work and maintenance and preventative maintenance so that bigger things don't happen. I mean, people, cafes are spending the same amount you would on a car for these like espresso machines and just like a car, they need maintained in order for them to last a really long time. So it was actually an advantage that Passenger had being such a small company, you know, bigger companies like Counterculture, like yeah. have huge tech programs and guys all over the country um, that take care of the equipment and stuff. And it's hard for smaller groceries to compete with big companies like that because often it's a free service mm. that's provided. And it's like, well, I'm going to stay with this company because they have my back when it comes to equipment. And so I was able to develop that program within Passenger. And um, eventually from there also was learning how to roast. And um, it was mainly three of us that were like, kind of getting it off the ground it was david stallings and nate kaiser and nate is now my business partner in uh swift cup and and myself kind of just getting passenger off the ground yeah. and moving forward and so tech came into play there yeah. as well not to mention like roaster maintenance and things like that that just you need kind of a hands-on like mechanic minded sort of yeah. like problem solving um mind to be able to do that stuff and so i was fortunate to have enough training and or enough experience or just be wired in a way that allowed me to learn and just figure things out that's like always kind of what i've been is like a figure outer and a yeah. tinkerer <laughs> and a problem solver like i just i grew up on a farm too so i just had access to like a shop that was like full of random stuff that mm -hmm. I didn't like I wasn't the kid that stayed inside and played video games all day I was like building stuff in the shed out back and, and half the time it never worked but <laughs> it was like all part of that process but do you I was gonna ask do you still get as furious at things when they don't work as somebody like me who is maybe not as uh <laughs> I just feel like you're great at learning as you go. Like you just sort of like take it as it is. There's still frustration. Absolutely. Yeah. That comes when things don't work. Um, but I think I've gotten better at understanding that that's like part of learning and part of the process of like, um, you know, every, every problem you encounter is an opportunity to learn and, especially when it comes like mechanically because if you don't just give up and walk away you haven't lost and so if you can push through and you can talk to the right people learn the right things try enough times and that doesn't always work with everything you know but with that sort of attitude you when you do eventually solve the problem whether it's mechanical or whatever it's like ah oh, yeah you know, this relief, but it's also this, like, I'm probably, if that ever happens again, I know how to fix it. Yeah. You know, or this is what I learned from that experience and it's going to help me in these other areas, yeah. you know? So yes, I, I still get frustrated, but I think I've gotten better at like taking a deep breath, stepping back and being like, okay, this is just an opportunity to learn. Hmm. So I, and during this time, I would say too, in, in 2000, uh, <laughs> in 2013, I got married. I remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember getting married. I, I married, I married a, a dreamer of a woman. And I say that in, yes, she was like a dream because she's beautiful and she's amazing. But she also like loves to like dream and vision things and like, I'm not so much that I I'm wired probably more so like more less about like dreaming and more about like just the practical here and now and I'm more so like she often calls me just like the rooted one the stable mm -hmm. one and we make a really good team because often she has like these dreams and I like help flesh them out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But in that process, you know, she's asking me like, what do you dream about? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I like my life here now. <laughs> and, uh, at least I was until you asked that question. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but but I give a lot of credit to um, my wife and for like allowing me to learn how to dream mm-hmm. and allowing like teaching me how to dream in many ways. And I think obviously my wife played a huge role in that. And I think the other person was probably Crystal Weaver, who I worked for for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And anyone who knows Crystal and Kyle and you know, that dynamic team right now knows that she is like a crazy dreamer and an entrepreneur. And so I think really working for her, I, one, I just saw what was possible, you know, one, I I was given trust and felt that to lead and was given responsibility. You know, I often, I say so many times that like, I feel so honored to be where I'm at because Crystal just like presented opportunity after opportunity to me. And I know it's because partly because I was committed and I was like, sure, I was a good worker, but like, you know, I went from just being a barista to like, hey, we have like a shift lead if you want to do that. I'm like, sure, yeah. And she's like, hey, general manager position. I'm like, sure. It's like, hey, we're starting a roastery. And I was like, great, yeah. (laughs) And then it's like, we need a tech program. I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll figure that out. And like, hey, we need a roaster. And I'm like, okay. And eventually ended up, you know, being like production manager of the floor there. And like, I look back and I'm just like, man, I was like, just given so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. And through that, was able to see Crystal start several businesses Mm -hmm. to see her just like not operate out of fear at all and be like, yeah, anything is possible. And everyone who anyone who knows Crystal is like, she's crazy. She just does it all, you know? She's just like going after it with no fear. Mm-hmm. And and it's super inspiring. Yeah. I mean, it's like to watch somebody like that just like operate from that place of like entrepreneurship, but also like essentially you just have to be okay with the potential of failing, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to be okay with failure if you're going to take those risks and and you can't let that hold you back. And it really challenges people to think like, man, what am I like not doing just because I'm like afraid I'm, I'm, I might not have what it takes or I might not, you know, or I might fail. And when you look at somebody like Crystal, you're just like, oh, you, you just do it. You just go, you know, and you just learn as you go, but you also like grow as you go. And so I think working for her, like I never would have said, in college that I was like gonna run a business or even wanted to necessarily run a business. But after marrying Marissa, learning how to dream a little bit, helping Marissa run her photography business, working for Crystal who's starting multiple business and being put in charge as if I own a business in some regards, really like kind of got me excited about the idea of, of owning a business one day. And you know, 10 years is a long time to work for somebody at my age anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm 28 and from 17 till 27, I worked for the same girl, you know, the same boss. It was a couple different roles and a couple, you know, two different businesses, but it, it was like, she, she would always say like, I know you're not going to stay around forever. kind of thing. <laughs> and, and I think she also saw potential in me that like, you know, at some point I'm probably just going to branch out and do my own thing. And, mm-hmm. and what I still find extremely like amazing and I'm super grateful for is that though I was with Crystal for 10 years, there was never this expectation that I was going to be there forever or that I was even going to be there the next year it felt like anytime we'd get together and meet and like you know how are things going how are you liking your job this is what I can see improvement on this is what you're killing it at there would always be the question like so you think like what about teaching like you think you're gonna like still pursue that like are you thinking you're gonna (laughs) hang around for a while like there was never this pressure never this expectation that was like he's going to be here forever and I'm going to make sure that he feels that pressure. You know, Mm -hmm. it was always this, like she is incredible at finding out what people are good at and pushing them in that. And also understanding that what a job is for somebody, if it's just to pay the bills or if it's like we can take the strengths that they have, 
find a part in this company in which they will flourish, but also help the company flourish and put them there. And so like if she, she wants to see just like, you know, people's passions come to existence. And so I think she, you know, saw some of that within me too. That was like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's other things that he's, he, he's not just going to serve me for the next 50 years, you Mm know? And, uh, yeah, I think I just learned so much from her of just like what it's like to run a business. I think growing up, it was my perception. Like there's no one in my family that ran businesses. I grew up on a farm, but I was pretty disconnected from the actual like business side of it, you know. And uh, there wasn't really anyone in my family that was like business owners. And I think our perception or my perception as a kid or growing up was kind of like business is all about money. And that was like my perception and especially growing up like Mennonite and frugal. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, had a certain perception of that, of like money and like wealth and things like that. And I think what Crystal really allowed me to see was that like business doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be about like cutting corners and cutting wages so that the profits are there. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously money is a big factor in business it's like what keeps business moving but what i saw was a business owner focused more on people than she was on the numbers obviously the numbers have to like allow the business to operate and continue but i think at the 10 year mark when i hit like my 10 year anniversary with her i was just like contemplating a lot of things and it was really this like idea that like i've learned so much from crystal that like people are the most important thing along the way you know and so I kind of saw this different perspective of running a business and kind of shifted me a little bit more into like yeah maybe I I could do this because I I'm good at math but I'm not like a numbers guy I'm not like (laughs) constantly thinking about like Mm. margins and profit Mm -hmm. and like all these things and So, but what I do love is like managing a team. I love like, you know, running a business and having those responsibilities and even things like as silly as inventory and things like that I enjoy. And I like with given the responsibility that Crystal gave me, I learned that like, okay, I can, you know, I can do this. I have what it takes to do this. Yeah. As a community here that wants to inspire entrepreneurs and creatives, walk us through kind of what you've learned um, through the community at Passenger. And um, I didn't ask that question. I didn't have to. You basically walked us through, like, (laughs) I saw a dynamic. This is what I heard you say. You know, I saw a dynamic leader in Crystal who was releasing, who who showed me trust a lot. Obviously, you met your wife in that community, you know, and you, Mm -hmm. you learned how to connect with people and it just lit a fire in you to be an entrepreneur um which great visionary leaders you know help inspire vision in others so i just thought you know it was incredible um to hear that perspective of your story and um for me sitting here you know remembering when when, uh when the building was purchased with just a little vision of like i think there's going to be a coffee shop in there and then seeing seeing things grow to this point um is pretty exciting and yeah, the question I had, the, the next question that was on my mind was like, so, and I think you started to hit on this about the 10 year marker. So was there a moment where you started to go like, uh, I think, I think this is, I think I need to look outside of this. Um, cause I, I watching from a distance, I saw some of the same things that Crystal saw and was like, wonder when Eric's going to like, um, you know, go for something. Cause this, this guy's clearly really not only diligent and full of integrity and passion, but he's, um, there's just a lot of gifts, um, there. And I really do want to, before you answer that question, I I do want to just say what you said about Crystal being releasing and, and always like talking to you about what is it you want to do? Like, Hey, where do you want to go from here? Not just providing opportunities, but recognizing opportunities outside those walls. That's a sign of a great leader. And it's really hard to do. Um, it's, it's just flat out hard. Um, because as a leader, it's like, I remember a, a guy said to my brother and I, when we were young, uh, in our late twenties, probably, uh, in leading 
you know, a bunch of other young people was like, it's the good enough that makes us want to control people. It's like, well, you want to provide a safe place for someone and you don't want to see them fall on their face. So there can be a tendency to kind of restrain instead of go like, no, go for it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm behind you. And if it works great. And if it doesn't work, that's fine too. Um, so I just wanted to, um, yeah, really just acknowledge that in, in Crystal's leadership of the passenger community and say it's been fun to watch that impact your life and, and, and a million other people's lives. But um, rewinding to the question, mm-hmm. um, yeah, was there, was there a, like, a, like an epiphany where you were just like, yeah, let's do this? There was definitely a time where I was processing through those things. Um, probably when I had made that transition over from managing the cafe to helping start passenger, you know, I went, I went from essentially what it felt like is I went from the top of the totem pole to the bottom. (laughs) You know, I was like running the cafe. I'd been there for five years. Everyone knew who I was. They were looking to me as like the leader. And I loved so many aspects of my job. And then when I transitioned over to passenger, I was working with Nate and David, who both have like far more coffee experience and knowledge than I do. And, you know, in a in a small business that's just starting out, like you just wear so many hats, you know. So I was doing a little bit of everything, but also wasn't feeling super connected or like a lot of life out of what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, figuring out tech manuals and like designing like business cards and like just all the random stuff that happens in the beginning of a business but I I found myself like man I I don't feel as much life on what I'm doing as I did when I ran Prince Street and I had this moment I remember having conversations with Crystal about that that was just like like I had come to this point where I was like okay I have always taken just opportunities that have come towards me and have been presented to me. And I've been really, really grateful for them. But And because of that, I've done so many different things over the past, at that point, it would have been like five or six years. It was like, you know, I worked as a barista. I worked as like a manager. I worked as like, you know, in these different roles and in these different environments. And I think it was part of my like, just nature of like wanting to help where there is a need and so just being like oh yeah you need help sure yeah I'll do that and I'll do that and then I I kind of had this point where I was like what do I like if I had to choose what would I want to do you know okay because it was also like I can't really just go back to managing Prince Street like I don't know that that's the answer and it was this moment of like okay what were those aspects from running Prince Street that brought me a lot of life and it kind of came to the conclusion that it was like managing people feeling the like responsibility of ownership over something even though I didn't like physically have any equity or anything it was just like I had been given the trust and was acting as an owner in some regards um that as well as like the things that come with that like responsibility and inventory and like ordering and those kinds of things and as well as like customer service. And I would like in the next couple years and probably going to look for opportunities that give me some of those things that bring me a lot of life. And uh, it was probably within six months that they were like, hey, we see you moving into this like production manager role. And though the team is small, eventually it will be bigger and it will grow. And with that role comes managing a team like having responsibility of the warehouse floor and production space, managing inventory, ordering, all those things. And so I was like, okay, that seems like it fits like some of those things that bring me life aside from like hospitality or like customer service. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was like, well, you know, maybe I can find that elsewhere in like a year prior to that or around that same time Marissa and I had purchased a home Mm -hmm. downtown that was like we're originally from the beginning planning to live with people and still are Um, but we now had this space that we could host that we could be hospitable Mm -hmm. and it was like okay maybe I can get that part of my heart 
filled through, you know, my home and not necessarily through my work. I think it's a little naive to think I can get everything that my heart needs from my job, Mm -hmm. you know. But I do agree that it's like we should pursue our passions and we should pursue those things that bring us life. Because the last thing I want to be is like somebody coming home from their job that hates their life. And it's just like, well, just punching, you know, the card and paying the bills and just going through the motions, you know. Mm -hmm. There's so much life that can come from a job that you're doing that you enjoy and that you love. And probably like six months later, what's interesting is like I used to roast and Nate, who's swift cup business partner is would like package coffee and we would talk about you know these things and i would process with him as we're roasting he's packaging coffee and we would talk through like you know he would ask me the questions like what what do you think would make you move on from passenger and you know those sort of questions that's like well it would either have to be like a really great opportunity or something closer to like like business leadership or like at that point I didn't know I didn't know what it was you know Mm -hmm. and so it's it's funny to look back and that's really where Nate and I's friendship started to like really grow is just like roasting and packaging Mm -hmm. and like talking and listening to podcasts and just like you know growing closer as friends but also like creating a depth that allowed us to talk about anything and everything and so it was, you know, in those workings together, too, that we established a friendship. But it was also, like, working within coffee, um, this idea of, like, instant coffee kind of came up. Yeah, how did you first hear about it? Like, I mean, Starbucks, has Starbucks been doing it for a while? Yeah, they've had Via, Starbucks okay. Via, um, which is from what I understand, a combination of like instant coffee and like really, really finely, finely ground coffee that's actually like dissolvable pretty much. Um, I don't know off the top of my head how long it's been out, but it's been out for, you know, a decent amount of time. So like you've, you like knew of the concept of instant coffee. How did you guys get connected with the process that you guys have now? Yeah. And so with instant coffee, I mean, obviously I think everyone's heard of instant coffee, whether you're on an airplane or whatever, you know, it's the stuff our grandparents drank and (laughs) it always had this bad connotation. And and I think talking amongst, you know, the guys at passenger, the idea, I, I can give Nate the credit for the idea of bringing it forward. I think I remember having conversations with David, Nate and I about like instant coffee and like, why does it have to be so bad? You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And for Nate, it was, like him as a trainer there he was packaging but he was also training and doing wholesale and sales and stuff like that um for him he was like the big question was like how do we make specialty coffee more accessible to people you know he's training baristas how to do this and dialing all this stuff in and and he's also doing like you know courses that train people at home how to make coffee you know someone comes into a coffee shop all the time and says I buy your beans, but I take them home, and it still doesn't taste. Yeah, yeah. You said yeah. that to I me. Asked didn't that you? To you. Yeah. We, we were at that motorcycle weekend, and right. I was like, I just can't get the taste. The I tried to teach him how strong. to do a pour over. Right. We Did don't have, you? We don't really have the right tools for it here, though. No. Right. And that. <laughs> and that. Wait, wait, wait. Dave, don't you just dump <laughs> all the water? Not in? at not I'm, at home. I don't. You I'm, do that. I'm no, gonna, I do not I'm do hop that. In here and and bounce this back to Eric, and Thank you guys you. can have your little arm wrestling match later. So. So that is part of it. It's like the instruments that are involved, the concepts and the knowledge and the know-how that are Mm -hmm. involved in making a really good cup of coffee at home. And some of the costs you were talking about. Right, yeah. For a quality grinder. Right, quality grinder, quality brewer or pour-over set or Mm -hmm. kettle or, you know, even water quality comes into it. And it's like, to meet a homeowner that's willing to like, put a purification system in their house or just buy pure water, you know, just for making coffee. But then the know-how, you know, the like barrier to entry is like a couple hundred bucks to really make an investment into. And, and because of that, that it's not only just the money, but it's also the knowledge, the time, the learning Mm -hmm. that prevents people from really like, you know, sometimes choosing specialty coffee. And so they just 
stick with what they know or what yeah. they have or they're like well it's not going to taste any different so i'll just get the costco bulk and, and and that's fine i think our our goal was like and nate was really thinking about like how can we just make this easier mm-hmm. you know how can we make this more accessible and so going down the different like roads of types of brewing and types of coffee available you know he landed at instant coffee and was like why is this so bad and i remember having conversations with him and david and surrounding that of being like you know trying to think about it and figure it out and david and i didn't do anything about it you know it's just a conversation (laughs) Mm -hmm. nate which like i understand even more now working with him like this just got his wheels turning and Mm -hmm. he was just like you know already thinking about these things but continued down this path of you know forums and like this just wormholes of the internet that's like instant coffee this this and that and learned just enough that was like made him curious to look into commercial instant coffee and try to understand why it's so bad and (laughs) think about the possibility of like Mm -hmm. could could this actually be good you know so he started down that road and um ended up like buying a little bit of equipment and doing this on the side while he worked at passenger full time. And I I remember him coming forward and he had kind of kept me in the loop the whole time just because we were kind of close and we were working together and, and uh, he still was also trying to figure out like, is this something I want to do on my own? Or, you know, the option was always there to like bring it in under passenger and Mm -hmm. this becomes a passenger thing, you know? And Nate's always been, like, a hacker and, like, a he talks about, like, folding paper airplanes and selling them in, like, kindergarten or, like, <laughs> elementary school, you know. He's always been kind of, like, thinking that way of, like, what can I do to, like, make money or what can I, like, you know, start or do something new that nobody else is doing. And so I think he was still kind of figuring out, one, if it was viable, two, if he wanted to make it his own. So he was kind of quiet about it. But one day he brought in a sample after, like, numerous tests of terrible coffee (laughs) like resulting in terrible coffee he had gotten something he was like wow this is actually pretty good and presented to david and i and and we were like wow like this is really good and it was like all we did was add water to it (laughs) (laughs) and it was good you know and so it Built, I think, a lot of encouragement in Nate after he had reached that point and was like, okay, could this really be something? And presented it to Crystal and Kyle as well. And um, they, too, were like, can we, you know, can we, like, let's get this off the ground? And and I remember, like, Crystal, Nate, had, I wasn't in that meeting, but Nate was like, Crystal was like, is this something you want to do yourself or would you like to bring this in on your passenger? And he was like, I think I want to do it myself. And she's like, awesome. Wow. Do it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And another example of like, you know, yeah. her just pushing yeah. that into people and seeing the potential and releasing it. And so Swift Cup has been a company for about two years and he kind of worked part time for, what are we in now? I guess it would have been all throughout 2017. He was kind of part time towards the end of the year, um, was completely out of passenger and full time. Mm-hmm. Um, working on that and had gotten a couple more pieces of equipment and kind of started to gain traction and all the while like I saw what was happening and we would talk about stuff and like I helped him uh, refurbish an espresso machine that <laughs> so that he could sell and essentially launch the company <laughs> so he had reached a point where he was gaining some traction but he was also like feeling worn out and feeling like he needs to either just kind of let this go and let it die or he needs to like bring somebody on that's going to help him like you know take it to the next level and be a partner with him in that and and what's interesting is they're like right around the same time that swift cup launched so did two others Mm. um specialty instant coffee makers in the country one of them sudden one of them voila and uh so everyone's always like, oh, which came first? Who had the idea first? And it was like, it's ironically, like it all kind of happened at the same time, you know? And uh, so he knew there were other people out there doing it and knew there was like some competition stirring, mm-hmm. you know? 
but also knew there was potential. And so he approached me and uh, essentially offered like, you know, for me to join him in the business. And I, I kind of thought he was crazy at first. And I was kind of <laughs> like, I don't know, that's really what I want. You know, thinking about like, well, it's not in the hospitality realm which is like where I thought I'd probably would end up going. Mm -hmm. I was actually, before Nate had talked to me, I was in conversation with two other friends of mine about a motorcycle Mm co-op and looking at spaces and building. And we like, we're looking at this building that was like, Oh, we could do this like taco restaurant up top and we could do this like moto thing. And got my wheels like really turning. You can still do that. We'll obviously all yeah, three of we'll be at the taco <laughs> and we'll yeah. obviously be there. I've got yeah. a bike that needs worked on. <laughs> and he likes tacos. So so it, I was in conversation with these guys and we were dreaming about it and I was just starting to get really excited, even knowing like it would probably mean moving on from passenger or at least going part time or something. But it was enough excitement that I was like. Yeah, this is really awesome. It's like starting to feel kind of, I guess, what those entrepreneurs feel as they're like about ready to start or they have an idea and they're mm-hmm. just like going with it. And those other people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> still, still trying to, yeah, That's let okay. that settle within yeah. myself. It's funny. So, and we were kind of moving forward on some things and then pretty much it fell through Mm -hmm. and so i had like had all this excitement kind of building that i was like yeah this is awesome and then it fell through and i was like that's a bummer and then this opportunity came from nate that i was like oh maybe i still can you know and uh and i remember listening like to him kind of lay things out and be like this is what I want to do. I want, I want you a part of it. I see you as a big part of it and a crucial role in like helping this move forward. And I told him I'd think about it and went home and told Marissa and all the while knowing and like fearing the possibility of like moving on from passenger, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people would, would, you know, say their work is work and they go home and it's home and like, they have maybe some friends or acquaintances at work and then they have their friends and family at home. And for me, it was like so intertwined. Like my work was my family, like, (laughs) and my friends that I hung out with outside of work, most of them worked for Crystal. Mm -hmm. And it was just this one big, like Mm -hmm. culture and family that like I really, really valued. And so even the thought of, you know, taking this opportunity with Nate, was knowing and in light of like the possibility of me moving on from that and the the challenges the sadness the like you know the hurt that can come from not necessarily like them feeling like i'm abandoning them but Mm -hmm. more so just like knowing those relationships aren't going to be as close as they were Mm -hmm. and it's like but also this excitement of like you know this opportunity and this like uh, you know, entrepreneur in me that's like, yeah, I want to run a business. I want to help start something. I want to mm-hmm. move forward. And 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 this idea that's like, I've never really like chosen something for my own. Like I mentioned earlier, there's just opportunities oh. presented to me, to yeah. me in front of me, and I just yeah. took them. Yeah. And then it was like, this would require me to actually choose and to leave a place, like I said, working days, had my nights, had my weekends, was kind of back at the top of the chain, like managing a team, Mm -hmm. essentially leaving the most comfortable place I had been in 10 years, Mm. knowing that I was probably going to start working nights and probably have to work weekends and work without a paycheck and, you know, all these things that are swirling through my head when this opportunity is in front of me, yet all the while feeling the excitement and, like, the draw towards it and... I personally just feel like you're really good at like uh, looking at your life and kind of being like this led to this and then but then this thing on this back end like in the present like kind of answers some of those things previously. I just feel like you have a good handle on like um, kind of your life as a story but then Mm. being able to communicate that. Yeah. So that's amazing to have that. I feel like just... 
that's such a gift <laughs> yeah uh, to be yeah. able to see it all kind of as like a thread and like a yeah. theme something to look at yeah i totally agree and i think it's um well it's quite, you while you were talking you were like i was back at the the top of the food chain and i was in my head going like yeah he, he was comfortable um <laughs> you said that it's like the the um the cult of comfort and just how I know, I've been I'm reading about the Mayflower right now the pilgrims and the choices that they made to come here the risk that they took the prices that they paid and I think I just continue to be convinced that we really have not been designed to just arrive and park and surround ourselves with all these things that are comfortable and then just sit there until we die and maybe impact a few people positively. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we all know that, but it's it's interesting to look at our lives and examine our lives and say, like, are we still... I think the, my point is, I think God has designed us to take risks and to keep moving forward. And I think it was important to count the cost. Like, you were doing that. You weren't, like, just kind of... Just like, okay, cool. It's a neat idea. This is great. I'm out. You know, because I've been here for 10 years. You knew you were sacrificing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people fight their whole lives to find a, a group of community that would, you know, where they could fit in and connect and find some life. But but still, you know, at the end of the day, you knew there was, you know, was something calling you on onward. And it was, yeah, it was time for you to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... That's great. So I was thinking about just just even the way our nation was founded, the pilgrims, the risk that they took, and how entrepreneurs need to come back to that place a lot and go like, yeah, it's not going to make sense to a lot of people, but I know ultimately I've been designed for this. Um, <laughs> and the other thing, um, yeah, that I was thinking of is just, um, yeah, the whole idea of, um, of counting... <laughs> counting the costs um there's just so many i don't know i just feel like there's so many uh, facets of the nature of god in the story that you're living and sharing with us so yeah it's pretty cool um we want to keep hearing more so when so when did you know like yes i'm doing this well i knew he needed an answer (laughs) (laughs) it was probably like we had met a second time grab some beers and a sub at Friendly Greek. And I had at that moment, I was like, yes, I'm in, you know? Wow. And yeah, uh, Friendly Greek over turkey sub. Oh, yeah. It yeah. might have been a meatball sub. I don't even know. <laughs> wow, a meatball sub. I've never eaten anything Still, at the Friendly oh, Greek, man. I don't think. You're no. missing out. Like, yeah, where's where's this? Uh, yeah. Is it good? I've never had food there. They, I mean, it's like greasy food. Yeah. It's, all right. All right, then. That's great. But their, but their, beer, their <laughs> beer selection, selection is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's generally what draws right. people in the They're door. open Christmas, I think. I, mean, I wouldn't that, be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I had told him, you know, hey, I'm in. Like, what's next, you know? And I knew after I told him <laughs> what was next was telling David my, like, you know, next in command and Crystal and Kyle and and those conversations I was dreading you know and I knew well enough and I had told Nate as well that like you know the role my role in passenger as production manager carried a decent amount of weight and that I wasn't going to be like here's my two weeks see ya Mm -hmm. and that I wanted to give time one to like you know give crystal time give david time to find somebody else but also like i think my, my heart needed that too kind of this transition to like close time the yeah and so i that. gave them three months and so pretty much this time last year it was like october i had like committed to it and had like cut back one day from passenger in october two days in november three days in december and then was done at the beginning of this year mm-hmm. um and those conversations you know, I think they came a little bit as a surprise, um, as they did, you know, even the opportunity to me. Like, I wasn't complaining about my job. I wasn't, like, yeah. looking for another one. It was just kind of like, oh, here's an opportunity. Yeah. And I remember talking with Crystal and, and her, like, you know, totally being supportive in whatever I want to do and knowing that I've never, like, you know, 
knowing that like at some point I'm going to step out and this, you know, I think I had those conversations on a Friday and Monday morning I came in. <laughs> Mondays is always yeah. when it hits. <laughs> and uh, met with Crystal and David and they had already made a plan to like, you know, pretty much replace me. Hmm. Which you have to do well, yeah. as a business yeah. owner, as like losing somebody that's in charge of a decent amount right. of stuff is like you have to move forward. And I remember feeling like, okay, okay, wait, do I really want this? Is this <laughs> happening? And I think they sensed my hesitation and, and there was definitely some like lack of good communication mm. on my part because this is like something new for me. I was like, You'd probably never, I'm not still really wrestling with some of this stuff. I was, sure. lose, I was, it was like leaving a family, yeah. you know? And then you decide to do that and then you're like, wait, I don't know. Uh, okay, yes. I can maybe. Come back, right? Yeah, right? So so there was actually kind of this like trial period that mm. was like, I'm going to work with Nate for a little bit and see if like, yeah, this is what I want to do. But if not, I can maybe come back into passenger and... Crystal was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't quite no. work that yeah. way. <laughs> and so it was this moment of like, okay, I can't expect to just like right. come back in where I left off. Yeah. Me saying yes to Nate is saying no to Passenger. Yeah. And if things, if Swift Cup would fail in like, you know, the first month, mm-hmm. I, I know that Crystal would take me back, sure. but I wouldn't be like put right back in yeah. that role, you know? So, yeah, after those conversations, it was just like, okay, I guess I'm really doing this. And that, and then I think that's when like a lot of the fear set in of like, <laughs> I had thought through things, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel real until that moment. Yeah. And it was like, okay, here we <laughs> go. And I remember feeling like so, so many different things, but also just like wrestling with that fear of like, not only losing like my family in that regards and I like am still great friends with all of those people it wasn't like you know I was actually losing them but there was a a sense of stepping out of that you know and it, it was this moment of like fear of losing that but also like I'm taking a big risk here you know I had committed to not taking a paycheck you know, for the next however, until we could pay me, (laughs) pretty much, and, uh, but also, like, leaving something really comfortable for something really, like, uncomfortable, and exciting, but also scary, and kind of had this, like, you know, this wrestling with God that was, like, like, just pretty much afraid of, like, failing, and being, like, yeah, it was just this battle that was like any that any risk taker probably goes through. That's like, okay, these are this is what could happen. I remember having conversations with Marissa that that's like this could go we could take a big personal like, you know, business loan or something and it, everything could go south and we I this was like an extreme example where I was like, "Babe, we might have to sell our house if this goes under," you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, "You know, stop, stop. It's going to be fine, you know. All this stuff." being a like super encouraging wife and i remember just wrestling through those fears of like you know is this worth it and in my mind i saw success or i saw failure and those were the two results and i came to understand and i came to realize and i i felt like god showed me that like you know their failure like kind of what i was saying earlier is like an opportunity for growth like any problem you encounter is an opportunity for learning for growing and and I remember like coming to this point and this realization this revelation that was like okay either I'm gonna this business is gonna succeed and you know financially I'm gonna eventually be paid and it's gonna grow and like you know I'm going to grow in ways that I haven't because I'm a business owner and I'm stretched and I'm challenged and I'm put in situations that are required me to grow and to step up and to run a business, you know, and and if the business is going to grow and it's going to be successful, then there's more dynamics and there's more I have to learn. And I'm going to be five years out from now with a quote unquote successful business and have grown tremendously 
And I think in my mind, that's like what I wanted. Obviously, I still want that. Yeah. But <laughs> but that was like the option. I was like, that's that's what I like. Almost like that's what I wanted to hear promised to me. Mm-hmm. But also felt like God reminded me that like even in failure comes growth. And even in like, so that was one option. The other option was like, I could try my hardest to make this succeed and it could fail miserably. But through that failure, I'm going to be grown and stretched in ways that I never would have if I didn't go through it. I'm going to be, you know, given tools and learn things through that process that will then later come into play in life or that I'll learn that I'll be grown. So it's kind of like Swift Cup could be really successful in like five years down the road. I'm like this like mature business owner, you know, quote unquote mature, whatever, grown, learned a lot. Or I could be five years down the road. Swift Cup could have failed, but I'm still this like really like I've grown and I've allowed that failure to stretch me and to Mm -hmm. challenge me and to mold me into something better you know and i think what i felt god saying at that time was like you just need to trust me you know god isn't promising us wealth he's not promising us success in the sense that we often see it as like a successful business you know Mm -hmm. he's not promising us that people are going to be knocking at our doors wanting our business and like he's not promising any of that but Mm -hmm what he is promising is that he's good and mm-hmm. that in many ways he works things out if you allow him to. And that requires trust. You know, that requires me laying down the future of Swift Cup, whether it's successful or it's failing and saying, God, I trust you with no matter what happens mm-hmm. to this situation, what happens with this business, you know, that even if it would get to the place where we made some really stupid financial decision and it went bankrupt and Marissa and I had to sell our house, you know, and move into something like tiny and apartment or whatever, that even in that, I want to be able to say, like, God you is grew. good yeah. and I grew, yeah. you know, that he used all of those things to, like, bring me closer to my wife, to teach me perseverance, to, you know, and I, and I think that's when we can, when I can grasp those concepts and understand kind of in some regards how that works or just understand how to trust and to allow God to use those things, can I like really feel peace about a decision like that, you know? And so I think it was this, like, wrestling with God and, like, myself and, you know, my identity even and all this stuff that, like, got me to this place where I was, like, confident in the decision that I made. And I was like, yes, I'm totally in. Whether that means Swift Cup is, in five years, like, four times the size that it was when I started and it's successful in that way, or in five years it has already failed and I'm in somewhere else, but have grown through that process and through the stepping out and through that journey. And and I think, like, Ken, you were saying, you know, you see this, like, gift in me that's, like, the ability to kind of draw a map. And I And I feel that. I, like, felt like that is something that God has shown me many times throughout my life. Um, even just, like, Even with the death of my dad as I was two months old, you know, I've I've seen how God has even used that to bring about beauty, to bring about goodness, to bring about, you know, I've, I've seen that map drawn and I've seen good come from terrible stuff like that. I've seen success come from failure. I've seen, you know, learning and growth come from problems that I encounter and so I think that realization and that that revelation and 
you know, when, when I can look back on the last 28 years of my life and see the connections and how everything kind of plays together and how like, man, if Marissa had never went through that, we would have never done this or experienced that or been closer in this regards that took us to here. And if that problem never happened, I never would have like persisted or learned what I did from that situation that is now five years later coming into play and never would have happened to that and this person and that connection here and and this ability to like draw this map I feel like is something God has like shown me a couple times and what that does is just build trust (laughs) you know it shows his faithfulness and it shows like in some regards that like we we don't need to worry you know and i think that's what i was doing at that point of decision making was like just worrying you know i was just fearful of like what if this doesn't and god reminded me like whatever happens you know there can be a line drawn to that map and that connection and even like I feel like I was even getting that like tastes of that in the first like three months of like working full time with Swift Cupping and seeing how just like even things I learned from freshman year of college were like coming into play that I wouldn't have understood really if I hadn't like done that first. And that too helps bring everything around to like nothing is a waste of time Mm -hmm. you know especially college or whatever when you allow it to like grow you and challenge you and shape you in those ways and 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 it's awesome i feel like i've told nate and i talk about this all the time like this pretty much swift cup has been just like us figuring it out as we go you know we figured out how to make good instant coffee and we're figuring out how to produce as much as we can as fast as we can and there's no rule book there's no guidebook we're literally inventing things to like (laughs) yeah do this so every stage of growth every stage of like you know scaling has required us to reevaluate re like calibrate like redesign re-innovate and creates this like kind of this culture that's like you have to be okay with like making mistakes Mm -hmm. and learning from them Mm -hmm. and moving forward and i can like sit here now in december and think where we were last december even january when i was full-time and see how far we've come and see that map of like man if i hadn't gotten that piece of equipment to like experiment with that failed miserably (laughs) We never would have had the right piece for this or understood that this piece would work and that piece of the equipment would like, you know, mechanically, Yeah, those maps have been drawn in my head that I'm like, man. And I can remember countless times we're in the middle of like production, something goes drastically wrong <laughs> and there's coffee all over the floor. <laughs> I think and, I have a picture on my camera roll from that. Really? <laughs> 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 and... You know, these moments yeah. that, like, are so frustrating. And then you look back, like, two months later, and you're like, man, but because that happened, I was, I understood the concept of that piece mm-hmm. of equipment more, its capabilities or whatever. And and it's brought me to this place where I do feel like I can handle those problems better. I still get frustrated at things, but... It's also just kind of like whenever I have those moments where it connects, I'm just reminded that like, oh yeah, this is all part of the process. This is all part of the journey. This is all part of learning. And I think that goes hand in hand with work and life and marriage and, you know, spirituality and just growing as a human being and as a person and And then I find myself, like, mid-year running my own business and feeling all sorts of weird identity things that are like, you know, 
oh, I can create this cool, like, Swift Cup brand, and it can be known, and then I can be, like, this weird, like, internal identity stuff that I never really dealt mm-hmm. with that much coming to the surface and having to be dealt with and then being, like, kind of just being convicted and being, like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if, like, Swift Cup is really well-known or not. What I really want is, like, for the business to grow so that we can have more people in here. Yeah. And I can manage a team and we can essentially build a family and like, you know, another place that is life giving and Mm -hmm. where people can come and feel alive and feel connected and feel valued and feel, you know, like they belong. And yeah, it's like it's had stretched me already in so many regards and I would say Swift Cup is doing well it's doing successful I don't think we're on the road to failure at this moment <laughs> amen yeah but even in the one year of like quote-unquote success that we've had and growth that we've had I've already seen how much I've grown mm-hmm. and how much it stretched me and challenged me and in ways that are very clear that if I never would have chosen it, I never would have understood or grasped or gone through. Swift Cup Coffee, we can find it at your website, swiftcup.com. Mm-hmm. You guys are on Instagram. Just wanted to thank you for sharing. I mean, I love so many different aspects. Just forging your way into a new arena and battling, well, does this make sense? Can you do this cheaper this way? And all, all these things that come against creativity and entrepreneurship. And so you're fighting that fight. But as I listen to you today, I think the thing we've been talking about a lot as a group here recently is just like, look, not every opportunity is an opportunity that's from God. And so it's important not just to, yes, 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 yes. That's a good way to go crazy Mm -hmm. to just say yes to everything. But what I heard you say today is like, I knew there was going to come a time where I needed to choose to get after something that was on my heart. And that's dangerous it's risky it's scary but it is a place that god will meet you and ultimately that fulfillment you know along the way and more opportunities to impact people's lives will come that would not have come Mm -hmm. had you not chosen to um to own that choice so i appreciate you sharing the journey to do that and and uh, i'm glad you i'm glad you did um it takes a lot of courage to do that and yeah i'm excited to see um, where Swift Cup goes from here, where you and Marissa go from here, and you're you're expecting a, a little one. Yeah. Um, when Woo! when's the baby due? March twentieth. Yeah. Little so girl. That's yeah. Literally, uh, yeah. That'll be fun to watch. So congratulations on mm-hmm. thanks joining, um, taking the taking the plunge and going with Swift Cup, and also even more importantly, congratulations on expanding your family. It's exciting. Thanks. Yeah. Take us home, Kent. Sweet. Love love you. <laughs> love you too, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hingework Podcast. Hingework is a creative co-working space in the heart of downtown Lancaster, PA. Find out more at www.hingework.com.